630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Jack Eichel is not playing tonight because of an illness, so his point streak will end at 17 games, and the Sabres are missing him. They trail the Flyers 3-0 early in the second period. Shots are 17-5 for Philly. Also in the second period, lightning up 2-1 on the Stars. Boston leads the Islanders 1-0. Kings and Blue Jackets tied 1-1. Late in the first period, Predators are up 1-0 on the Senators. Coming up later tonight, five more games, including the Canadians and the Flames. Montreal here on Saturday to face your Edmonton Oilers. But first, the Pittsburgh Penguins in town. That's tomorrow night. It's on 6.30, Chad, with the face-off show at 5.30, and the game will start at 7. How about this? Chuba Hubbard who had an excellent season. Well, they still have a bowl game to play, but uh, an excellent season running back at Oklahoma State from Sherwood Park, led the NCAA in uh, nearly every rushing category, close to 200, uh, pardon me, close to 2,000 yards on the season, second most ever in a season at Oklahoma State since Barry Sanders in 1988. Chuba Hubbard will be at the game tomorrow. He will be honored at the game tomorrow in a special pregame ceremony. He'll be signing some autographs, so uh, another reason to get you hyped up for tomorrow's game before the Oilers, uh, for the Oilers and the Penguins. Thanks for tuning in tonight. It is 6.08. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 6.30. Ched, this is the final edition of Inside Sports before Christmas. So this will be our off-topic topic for the evening. You can text 780-496-0063. Our phone number is the same thing, 780-496-0063. The best sports-related Christmas gift you ever received. Or you can also answer the worst sports-related Christmas gift you ever received. Maybe it was tickets to a game. Maybe it was a vacation centered around sports. Maybe you got some equipment or a set of golf clubs or uh, like a, a sports video game. Or maybe it was just like something you really hated. Did you get a jersey for a team you hated and somebody thought you liked and you had to suck it up and wear it and say thanks? I don't know. I'm happy to hear from you at 780-496-0063. Oh, also tonight... Stick around for this. Later on this evening, we'll be giving away a pair of tickets to tomorrow's game. So that is always fun. We'll uh, we'll do that a little bit later on on the show. So the Oilers just uh, one win in their last six games. Uh, a stellar goaltending performance last night by Miko Koskinen, but the Oilers could not get the victory. Uh, Miko Koskinen has stopped 76 of 79 shots the last two games he has played, but the Oilers only win one of them. They won 2-1 in Dallas on Monday and lost 2-1 last night to the St. Louis Blues. Here's, here's the thing for the Oilers. Right now, the Blues are flat out better. They're better than most teams in the NHL. They have depth. They have goaltending. They have really good defensemen. They can play a detailed game. They can score enough, and, and they can shut it down. And they re- really were on the Oilers and checked very well last night. The Oilers have to do a better job of managing the puck in games like that. Several turnovers when they cross the offensive blue line that allow the Blues to take it back and counterattack the other way. So the Oilers have to figure out how to get around that, dump the puck in and chase it, spend some time in uh, in the other team's end. So a, uh, a step that the Oilers need to take, but right now I also think that the Oilers don't have the players to do it, and, and we've talked about that a lot. I mean, really, they they got a really good first line when Leon and Connor are together. Uh, 
They had Nugent Hopkins for the second line with varying levels of support. I don't think the Oilers have a true NHL third line, and they have two fourth lines. So they're going to be tough against teams like St. Louis, even if they are, they're playing well. And they just made too many mistakes and were a little too careless with the puck last night. But Koskinen gave him a chance, and he often has this season. Really only a couple of shaky starts all season long for Miko Koskinen. We're going to talk about him with Kelly Rudy later on on the show. Well, we have people chiming in about sports-related Christmas gifts, either good ones or bad ones. Mike, what do you say? Hey, Reed, how are you? Good. Good. Uh, yeah, my wife got me a Bills jersey one Christmas with the backup quarterback as the person on the back. <laughs> okay. Now, if it were Frank Reich, then that would have turned out okay. Uh, but yeah, I'm assuming that it, it wasn't. Was, it was Trent Edwards. Do you remember Trent Edwards? Uh, well, I remember. I remember the name. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't remember who was he the backup to. <laughs> Uh, you know, I I think he was the I, I, it might have been during the the Doug Flutie era. You know. Oh yeah. Okay. So but, about fifteen uh, years ago. Yeah. yeah. All right. It was like, oh, thanks, honey. Uh, and I bug her about it to this day. Oh, so you did tell her. You, you did tell her eventually. <laughs> yeah, I did tell her, and she's like, oh no, what am I gonna do? <laughs> Well, that's pretty good, Mike. I hope you wore it proudly. I I still do, and and the next uh, the next time I'm uh, you know at uh, Super Bowl, I'll be wearing it proudly. Thanks, Mike. That's a good story. Have a good night, Trent Edwards. Not a Buffalo Bills legend, and we will just leave it at that. He also played for the Jaguars and Eagles, and he was on the practice squad of the Raiders twice and also on the Bears practice squad. He threw 26 touchdowns in his NFL career, 30 interceptions. Someone we should try to get on Inside Sports. Shaker on line two. Shaker, go ahead. Hey, Reed, how you doing, buddy? Quite well. Hey, um, when I was, uh, when my brother and I were younger, my mom made us buy each other Christmas gifts, and uh, my brother ended up getting me a Ryan Smith poster, and had wrapped it up just as it was rolled and he asked me uh what it, what i thought it was and i said i mean it's gonna obviously be a poster he said oh you guessed you guessed you looked at what it was so he decided to keep it and we shared a room so he got to hang it on his side of the room and i got to look at it for the next few years <laughs> <laughs> did he get you a replacement gift or anything no no never <laughs> that never was, that was it <laughs> And that was, was it. I just got to look at it. And this was when Ryan Smith would have been in the, the height of his career with the Oilers, I assume. Exactly, exactly. Oh, my goodness. How, how are you feeling about this year's edition of the old squad? Uh, I'm, I was feeling optimistic. Um, I don't know, man. It's, it's going to be down to the wire here. We'll see. Yeah, they've got a tough stretch here. I, I, I think they're good enough that they're not going to completely drop out of it by last year, or like yeah. last year. I, yeah. I don't know if they can. I mean, that's going to be tough to win the division with uh, Vegas and. Uh, I'll tell you this, uh, Shaker. I have this opinion, and I want you to tell me if you agree or disagree. Feel free okay. to disagree. I. The one thing I will say about the Pacific, I do not think the Sharks are going to make a charge. I agree with that. You're the first one ever to agree with me. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> okay. See you, buddy.
All right, buddy. Take care. That is Shaker, 7804960063. Tice writes in. He says, many years ago, I got gifted golf lessons at our local golf course out here by Lacombe. First lesson, the instructor came late. Uh, I learned some stuff at the driving range, was loving the lesson. Second lesson, the guy was an hour late and then left. Third lesson, the guy never showed up. Later, we found out from the clubhouse that the guy turns out to be a known crook, has pulled this stunt all over Alberta, gets paid up front for lessons, and then never shows. These are heartbreaking. I almost wish I hadn't thrown this out there. <laughs> we we need a positive gift. We we need we we need a positive gift. We're only getting bad ones. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Over, I'm getting some good stuff on the text line. We'll go back and forth to this throughout the show. The best or worst sports related gift you ever received for Christmas. Well, we have a gift for you. The pride of Athabasca. The one and only Jay Onright coming up next. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers, representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. All right, talking about the uh, best or worst sports related Christmas gift you ever received, Lorraine says, moved to Canada from England in the mid 50s, had never heard of baseball. Someone gave my dad an old leather ball glove but they all teased him about batting like a cricket player, so he quit and gifted the glove to me in the 60s. I love it, and I still have it. It must be 70 to 80 years old now. That is from Lorraine. That is incredible. Well, what a gift this is. The pride of Athabasca, Alberta, Jay Onright is on the line. Jay, how are you doing, buddy? Great, Reed. How are you? <laughs> I, I, I'm, doing, I'm doing well. You, you always have that tone of voice when you come on the show, and I'm not sure if you're actually enthusiastic or sarcastically enthusiastic. Oh, I'm very enthusiastic. This is my favorite 630 Chet show. <laughs> and how many other could you name? Okay, I've got a few of them. Uh, of course, there's Midday with Bob Layton. There's uh, Ride the Lightning with Gord Steinke. There's uh, Country Music Classics with Daryl McIntyre. There's uh, Hollywood Screen Gems with Joel Gottlieb. And there's also Community Calendar with Aaron Isfeld. That's got to be a few of them, right? Yeah, pr- pretty close. We'll give you the benefit of the doubt on a, on a couple of those. On a couple of those, Jay. Uh, how, how are you doing, buddy? How's the family? Oh great! Yeah, they're uh, they're really good. I'm uh, I'm on my way to work right now, so I get to be away from them for a while. Thank God. <laughs> so, so we we're talking today about uh, Christmas memories. Uh, like me, you grew up in, in a small Alberta town, rural community. Uh, what are some? What when I say Christmas in Athabasca, what comes to mind for you? So many things to read, so many traditions uh, native to Athabasca, of course. The entire town gathers at the Burger Bar at the bottom of the hill on Highway 2 on Christmas Eve. Everybody uh, gorges on double cheeseburgers, uh, fries, and gravy. And then uh, there's a fist fight that happens in the parking lot afterward. Uh, some of the young kids are initiated. Uh, they fight first, so it's the great twos fight first. No one fights younger than grade two. Then it's the grade threes, and finally, eventually, gets you know through the entire school ages, 
and to the adults. And uh, I got to tell you, it's a blast. It's a bloody mess. But then when it's all over, everybody takes a swig of Alberta vodka, even the kids, and shakes hands and head back to their uh, to their homes to wait for Santa to arrive in his sleigh. That is an amazing Athabasca tradition. I, uh, I, that, that, I mean, it's kind of it, it's kind of dangerous and heartwarming at the same time. Yeah, they call it the fights, and uh, and it's fun because uh, when I I moved to Athabasca from Boyle, and you know Boyle had more traditional stuff, you know, sleigh rides and Christmas carols and and really boring stuff. And what I loved about moving to Athabasca is uh, is that the citizens physically uh, pitted against each other was a way for the community to really come together. And I think there's nothing quite like it. It's one of the things that makes Athabasca such a wonderful place to live. Well, it, re- it really is, uh, really is, Jed. I can I can tell you miss it, but uh, you're working in Toronto now, working for... Uh, do you still have that Jay and Dan show going? No, that was cancelled. Now I am uh, currently uh, working on a revival of Mr. Dress-Up. I feel like now's the time. Um, uh, we're just trying to get negotiate the rights to the tickle trunk. It's uh, proving to be a, a surprisingly difficult thing because the trunk itself hasn't worked in decades. So I think we were under the impression that we would be able to negotiate with the trunk and get a good deal. But the trunk is surprisingly uh, stubborn and... And, of course, coming from the CBC, uh, where uh, the trunk was making government wages for a long, long time, you can understand that uh, the trunk would have a hard time with the reality of private broadcasting and the wages that come with that. So uh, we'll continue to work on it. I can tell you that uh, that Casey and Finnegan will not be involved uh, because they're dead. Jay Onright joining us on Inside Sports as uh, he gives you an update on uh, on his uh, Christmas and, and, and his life. I got a text here from uh, Daryl who says, uh, I missed Jay last time he was here. Please say hi from me and my wife, Cindy. Uh, Daryl says uh, that, uh, uh, what did he say? I, uh, his father, Dale, is a personal friend. I've spoken to Jay directly, and I'm glad he still considers Athabasca home. Daryl and Cindy saying hi to you from Athabasca, Jay. Lovely people, and I remember Daryl and myself were two of the combatants in the the Christmas Eve fights outside the burger bar, and and it's just a testament to how you can get in those fights and then you know emerge as friends afterwards. That's why Daryl and I have uh, been close all this time. Mutual respect, Reed. Jay, uh, we're going to have Paul Graham on the show between 6.30 and 7. He's originally from Edmonton, now a big wig with TSN, big part of why the World Juniors have become what they have become and, and how your station covers the tournament. How many hours per day will TSN have of the World Juniors starting on Boxing Day? That's not my department, Reed, and frankly, it's none of my business. Um, I will say that... Um, that Paul Graham's a wonderful man and, and a wonderful Edmontonian. Loves Edmonton, talks about it all the time. Never forgot where he came from. And you are right. He is uh, probably the premier sports production executive in the country right now. So uh, we ought to be proud. And uh, you should call him PG. That's what everyone in the industry calls him. He likes, PG. Being, oh, yeah. he likes being called PG. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Jay, I really appreciate you checking in. It, it truly is a Christmas miracle to have you on the show. All the best to you and your family. 
Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And Merry Christmas, Happy New Year to you and to all the Chad listeners. And don't forget, uh, tomorrow morning, of course, on the morning show with Rob Christie and Audie Linz, uh, Mr. Maynard will be calling in for his annual 12 Days of Christmas song. Uh, it is going to be something that we as Edmontonians have come to love over the years. So I can't wait for that. I'm looking forward to it. Have a great night, Reed. Jay Onright, Pride of Athabasca, here on Inside Sports. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers, representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. All right, second period, it's 1-1 Islanders and Bruins. Edmonton's Johnny Boychuk has a goal in that one. Lightning lead the Stars 3-1. Also in the second period, Philly taking it to Buffalo. No Jack Eichel tonight. 6-0 for the Flyers. Shots are 25-9. Kings up 2-1 on the Blue Jackets. Chicago leads Winnipeg 1-0. That's in the first. And first intermission in Ottawa. The Predators lead Ottawa 1-0. Later, Calgary home to Montreal. Avalanche take on the Hurricanes. Wild up against the Coyotes. Late game is Vegas in Vancouver. Oilers tomorrow against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Of course, it's on 6.30, Chad. 5.30 face-off show. Game at 7. Oklahoma State running back Chuba Hubbard will be at the game. There'll be a pregame ceremony for him. Next game for Hubbard and the Cowboys, the uh, Academy Sports and Outdoors Texas Bowl. Well, that's quite a sponsorship. The Academy Sports and Outdoors Texas Bowl against Texas A&M, December 27th in Houston. And we'll be giving away some tickets to the Oilers and Penguins later on on Inside Sports. Saturday, Montreal is here. That's an early game, 3.30 face-off show, and the puck will drop at 5. Well, we just had Jay on right on the show. We have Jay on two or three times a year. Uh, very, uh, very entertaining young man, uh, sometimes a little unusual. He, he said a couple things in the interview that really stood out to me, to me. First of all, he identified our next guest, Paul Graham, as one of the premier sports broadcasting executives in Canada. That, I'm pretty sure, is true. Jay also said he is leaving TSN to launch a reboot of Mr. Dress Up. I'm pretty sure that is untrue, though perhaps Paul can shed some light on that. You never know what Jay's going to say next, do you? <laughs> I was just going to say, you never, you never know what he's going to say, so the Mr. Dress-Up thing might be reality. I guess we'll have to find out. <laughs> if anybody could do it, I, I think it'd be Jay. I just think Jay talking to puppets, sitting outside a treehouse, it might suit his personality. <laughs> it would be entertaining, that's for sure. Uh, now, look, I, I've known Jay about 20 years. He's a good friend of mine. Um, when did you think we, and Jay obviously left TSN for a while to go to Fox in the States, but when did you, you as, a, as a, a broadcasting guru, so to speak, start to think you might have something special with the young man? Uh, well, he was, I mean, the day, the day he walked in the door, and remember, I'm an, I'm an Alberta boy, so I remember him, uh, uh, you know, when he worked in Edmonton and, and obviously... Uh, growing up in, uh, I think it was Boyle. And uh, so in any event, we, we've, we've always thought he's been a super talented guy, and he uh, he's exactly what you see on TV. 
Right, that's how it works. It's he's he's not put. If anything, he tones it down a bit on TV. I think just a little bit, um, just a little bit, but not much, not much. It's that's pretty much Jay. Paul, we wanted to have you on to talk a little bit about, uh, well, a lot about. I think the the World Juniors and what they've become and TSN's role in that and your role in that. But I, I want to give a little bit of your background as well because you're a name probably a lot of people have have read and they know a little bit about your impact, but we don't get to talk to you very much. Um, just tell us a little bit about, um, you know, I, I hope it's not too hard for you to sum up, but a little bit about your career path and, and your connection here to Edmonton. Uh, well, Edmonton, uh, born and raised. Is, I was born in the Royal Alexander Hospital on 101st Street and um, uh, went to school there, obviously, and ended up uh, going to Nate and taking the, uh, the radio and TV program there, which... Uh, Fortunately, it led to uh, a job at ITV, now Global, but ITV back in the day, so we certainly got exposed to a ton of Oilers hockey and, and uh, CFL football and SCTV and, and uh, even doing brick warehouse commercials. So we had a whole bunch of things going on back in the day, and then uh, eventually, with good fortune, that led to uh, a career move to Toronto in, in uh, 1987, and uh, um, you know that also led to a number of different uh, opportunities for me working for a number of different networks on a number of different sports and that kind of uh, brings me today with my role at uh, TSN. Uh, Vice President and Executive Producer, I, I, I gotta ask you, this is not a, a sports question but I'm sure you knew it was coming because SCTV, those four letters have a very special place for some people including me, Bob and Doug McKenzie, all the great John Candy characters. Uh, how involved were you with that and that must have been incredible being around some of those funny people. Well, my job at SCTV, when you talk about Bob and Doug, I was the guy who, who had stacked up the most in Canadian uh, cases on their set. So that was my job. <laughs> but, uh, but it was, uh, a lot of people don't know how that actually even came about back in the, uh, back in the day. Um, you know, it aired in Canada. And it also aired, aired on NBC down in the States. And NBC um, had two extra minutes of commercials for their American programming. But the Canadian version was then two minutes light for programming so they just made that up on the fly one day that hey why don't we just sit down on a set and talk like uh, bob and doug mckenzie and uh one of the guys off to the side counted them down to two minutes and so they just made a whole bunch of two minute segments of bob and doug mckenzie and the rest is kind of history for those guys it's uh, still two of my favorite characters of of all time i had the the cassette they pulled the album i had it on cassette I had the cassette they, they put out, and I listened to that thing over and over again when I was a kid. I probably knew it off by heart. The Beer Hunter and uh, the school announcements, L. Ron McKenzie, all that kind of stuff. So, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Dave, Dave Thomas was a, was a great guy, and Rick Moranis were great guys to work with as well. So real real good group of people, and, and they enjoyed their time at Edmonton. They, uh, you know, they really bonded, I think, as a unit there because they had a lot of time to spend uh, – in the cold winter nights working together and writing a whole bunch of funny sketches. So uh, glad to see that uh, that SCTV lives on. And the, and glad to see that our, our winters could inspire such creativity. So that, that's pretty cool. <laughs> All right. Uh, we we want to talk some sports with you, and, and specifically World Juniors. By the way, the uh, the tune-up game, pre-tournament game for Canada today, beat Switzerland 3-0. Oilers prospect Olivier Rodrigue, goaltender, uh, did not play today. The other two goalies split the game and combined for a 12-save shutout. So not a lot of work by the uh, Swiss on the Canadian goaltenders today. My memories of the World Juniors initially, Paul, are watching games in the 80s on CBC. You might Mm -hmm. get two or three Canadian games. 
if they were overseas, you'd, you'd have to get up at an odd hour on your Christmas holidays to watch them, but I would often do it. The, the late, great Don Whitman would be calling the games. And yeah. then, I, I believe it was 1991, because I lived in a rural area and we had two channels, all of a sudden I couldn't watch the games anymore because we didn't get TSN. <laughs> but, but that was a big move for, for TSN at the time. I wonder if you can take me back, because everybody associates the term with TSN now. It wasn't always that way. How did you get the ball rolling with this? Well, it wasn't me specifically back in in uh, in '91, although I was I was working at TSN at that time. But we, you know, we had a a, a great partnership that we started off with uh, Hockey Canada. So we've had a 30 year relationship with our our good friends at Hockey Canada, and, and uh, you know, at that at that time, it was about getting more of the tournament on television. Uh, you know, the CBC did a. Uh, a really nice job, but they they weren't able to to uh, commit to as many games as I think fans wanted. So that's why you saw two or three games during the tournament. So we uh, we teamed up and with Hockey Canada and wanted to try to make it bigger and better. And obviously, starting off in Saskatoon with the John Slaney goal and and all the madness that that was with with Canada winning their gold medal uh, was you know was obviously exciting for us and for the country. And I think that really got the ball rolling, the momentum for us. Uh, it came crashing down a little bit the next year when we did our first uh, World Juniors over in Foos in Germany. Uh, I was part of that group, and uh, and Canada finished sixth that year, even though they had uh, three Hall of Famers on the team uh, with Eric Lindros and Scott Niedemeyer and Paul Correa, but they just couldn't really put it together. I think it had something to do with the fact that the third goalie that got cut on that team that didn't make the team was Marty Brodeur. So if they would have had Marty in that, they might have done better. But, uh, but that started... Um, a run for us in, in 92 after the team didn't do so well in Fusen of, of five gold medal games in a row. So we covered the tournament at that time and in 1993 in Sweden and 1994 in, you know, Strava in the Czech Republic, the same place we're going back to uh, this year. Uh, of course, the, the tournament in Red Deer, Edmonton and Calgary in 95 was a great success with the, with the lockout uh, all-star team, if you will. And then they won their fourth gold medal uh, in Boston in 1990, 1996 with a, a kid that uh, a lot of people from Edmonton and St. Albert specifically will know about, Jerome Ginla, obviously did a, a bang-up job in leading that team. And then they, they won their fifth gold medal in a row in, in uh, 1997 in, uh, in Geneva, Switzerland. So with a young Joe Thornton just uh, starting out, I think, as a 16- or 17-year-old in, in his career. So it helped that we started off with an exciting gold medal game in Saskatoon and then rebounded quickly with five gold medals in a row and I, re- I think it really helped the tournament grow at that point. Well, you're bringing back a lot of memories of, uh, for me of watching those gold medal games and uh, yeah, seeing Aginla play before he was in the NHL and, and all those types of things. That's pretty cool. So, I'm curious be- and like I mentioned, everybody links TSN and the World Juniors now. What were some of the obstacles of of making this commitment or was there any sort of hesitation or worry where it's like okay i i, I guess we'll broadcast the entire tournament but but is this is this really going to work was there any sort of that you had to work through uh yeah well that's been that's been a real challenge i'm happy to say you know i've played uh, a decent part in, in trying to help that grow but again people forget even even when it was in saskatoon or sorry saskatoon we took it over 91 you know, we didn't televise all the games in the tournament. We just basically televised the Canadian games. Mm-hmm. And then even in 1992, we're in Fusen, Germany. We only televised uh, six games. We were to televise the seventh Canada game, but uh, it was in an outdoor rink, and we couldn't uh, we couldn't get our TV truck there quick enough. And, and so really through a good portion of the 90s, um, it, it, the whole tournament wasn't covered. 
Um, most Canada games were, but not all of them. I mean, we weren't able to cover the uh, gold medal clinching game in, in, in Sweden in 1993 just simply because of logistics. So uh, the budget at that time wasn't very big for the tournament. We really had to uh, do a lot of things with smoke and mirrors to, to get the pictures back and to get the coverage back. And I think, you know, when you got near the latter part of the 90s is where we really picked up some momentum with, with coverage. And, and again, a lot of people don't remember this, but it really was only about six years ago where we started covering every game in the tournament. So now we, you know, now we're fully set up to cover all 28 uh, games in the tournament plus the three relegation games. Um, the tournament has grown leaps and bounds. People think that it's a Canadian tournament and that only Canadians watch it. And we always talk about the ratings and the numbers of Canadians that are involved, you know, watching the tournament. They're forgetting that there's millions and millions and millions of people watching in Russia. Uh, we send our signal to Russia for all 28 games. The same thing with Sweden. They watch all 28 games. Uh, the Finns are very uh, active in the tournament as well. And this year we we actually are sending the signal into Belarus. They're not even playing in the tournament. And we have an arrangement with Ukraine as well, and they're not even playing in the tournament. So it's it's really growing, uh, growing where all the games are televised and several of the countries are taking all the games. Well, I, I'm glad you you mentioned that because that's often something I, I, I've wondered, and, you know, you talk to your buddies and other people in broadcasting about it, and you say, is this just really a, a tournament that only Canada cares about the results? But I'm glad you gave some of those numbers from those other nations. Paul Graham joining us on Inside Sports, Edmonton native, vice president, executive producer with TSN, filling you in here on the uh, network's coverage of the World Juniors, and he's, and he's taking you through the, the growth. I, I'm sorry i got to backtrack to something else you said, Paul. Outdoor game, 1992. I do not remember anything about that. <laughs> well, that's because you didn't see it on TV. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so no, and, uh, you know, the, the, it, it's pretty standard now where if you get if you get awarded this tournament, I'm actually fortunate enough to sit on a couple of committees with the IHF as well, but it's, it's basically a two-city tournament. Uh, in this case, it, in, uh, in the Czech Republic, it's in Ostrava, uh, which is in the eastern part of the Czech Republic, close to the Polish border. And, and the second city, Trinic, is, or Trinic, sorry, is about 35 minutes away. But it is two cities. And there are sometimes previously uh, where there'd be three or four or five cities involved. And, you know, people forget even back in 1995 uh, when Red Deer hosted with, with Edmonton and Calgary as, as satellite uh, cities, there were also nine other cities in Alberta that actually hosted the game. So it was spread out all over the place. So that's part of the challenge of, of trying to, televised a lot of the games is it, it was very difficult um, when you're not when you're not in just one or two locations obviously it's in most cases it's impossible uh, and then the outdoor game that you're that I referred to in 1992 was was uh, Canada played Sweden I, I, I actually looked up this earlier today uh, to a 2-2 tie and and we didn't televise it because it was outdoor and we just didn't have the setup to do that and uh, it, actually even in 1990 uh, 1997, when the tournament was in Geneva, Switzerland, they played an outdoor game as well in uh, in a town called Moors, not far from Geneva. So uh, the tournament's gotten away from that part of outdoor games, apart from the one that we uh, we did in Buffalo a, a couple of years back. But um, you know, if, if we're if we're in a two city location with two good arenas, we'll always televise all the games. Right. Okay. That's uh, that's interesting. Um, how much? I mean, it's become such a partnership. How much say, if if any, I'm just curious, does, does TSN have in the schedule? Like, I believe the pools are determined based on last year's results. I, I think the states 
had it uh, switched so they were in Canada's pool for the game in Buffalo. But do you guys get a lot of input in, in schedules, start times, anything like that, or does the IAHF you know, maintain control over that? Uh, no, we we sort of have the, the the double whammy, if you will, is that firstly we do have a lot of say in the schedule. And then, like I said earlier, I, I, I sit on the uh, the TV and marketing committee with the IHF. So, you know, there is a voice in the room when it comes to the schedule. So, you know, that, that goes a long way. I mean, we work hand-in-hand, obviously, with Hockey Canada, but we also work hand-in-hand with the IHF and the local organizing committee. And, uh, you know, so, so TSN and that goes, you know, that comes along with being involved for 30 years in the tournament, I think has a pretty big voice in the room. Yeah. That, and what it was, every second tournament was in Canada and are now they going to every third? Yeah. And you know what, that speaks to the, that speaks to the growth of the tournament. Um, you know, I think, I think it's sort of a two-parter. I mean, the, the tournament was held, like you say, every second year. Uh, or every third year in Canada, and, and uh, you know, I think that that was a, a, a bit of a burden on Hockey Canada in a lot of ways to to continue to you know to push out the tournament every year. But what has happened uh, in Europe, and we've seen it firsthand. Uh, again, you go back to Foos in Germany, 1992. The average attendance was about 1,500 a game, oh. and then the last three years that we've been over in Europe, starting back into. Uh, in Ufa in 2013, when actually Nuge, uh, Nuge played on that team as the captain, um, you know that's where the tournament started really picking up attendance-wise in Europe, and so that was the average, basically eight or nine thousand a game, and then uh, the following year was in Malmo, Sweden, and, and they sold out quite a few times, um, and particularly their their big arena in Malmo, the Malmo Arena that seats about thirteen thousand, and so you see that growth, and then Helsinki. Uh, when we were there at Hartwall Arena a couple years back, where Finland won the gold medal, and and basically there was 80% of the population of Finland watched that final game, and uh, and they sold out several dates and averaged close to about nine or ten thousand uh, fans a game. So the fact that the tournament's really grown outside of Canada uh, has allowed Hockey Canada and the IHF to move it around to a few other locations. And so even if the, even though the tournament's being held in Edmonton um, and Red Deer next year. Uh, it goes away for two more years, so it's in Sweden the following year after Edmonton, and then it's in uh, Novaversk, which is about four and a half hours east of Russia, uh, the following year after that. So the growth and uh, the popularity of it has, has allowed it to be moved around to places outside of Canada. Oh, that's really cool. Okay, Paul Graham joining us, executive producer at TSN. Paul, I, I wish we had more time. I'm going to take a liberty, though, and keep you for one more question, non-world junior. No problem. Related, just because I, well, I, I hope we can we can talk again someday because I, I love this kind of stuff. Um, you've, you've, you know, you've had a long and successful career in broadcasting. Most significant change in the broadcasting industry during your time? I don't know if it's technological, if it's... Uh, personnel or just the way you know we consume sports what's what's the biggest change in your mind well it's a bit of a loaded question i mean there's there's lots of factors certainly you know certainly technology plays into it i mean when you when you go a few years back we went from sd to hd and you know now we're in 4k soon to be some point down the road in in uh, 8k and and so i think technology has played a big part of it but i also think just just the fact that there's so many sporting events around and so many sporting depends so many, so many sporting events on TV that it really um, you know lends itself to a, a larger viewing audience and a lot of people you know people talk more sports and again you even go back to the Euler heydays in in the 80s 80s with uh, 
with Gretzen Company, and uh, you know, not all the games in, in Edmonton were televised, and so people forget that now because there's so much so much sports on TV. So I could probably answer that about five or six different ways, but I think technology certainly has played a big part in the in the viewing experience. I struggle to explain that to uh, people under the age of 30 or 25 sometimes, that there are probably amazing plays that Wayne Gretzky made that there is no video of. You know? <laughs> well, I, I can tell you, I can speak to that because I was, I was front and center in the production um, uh, a lot of those years, and there were many games where there would just be one single news camera at Northland shooting uh, a night where Wayne might have had eight points. And there was just one single camera angle of that. And uh, so there's lots of video, lots of great games of his that were were, uh, rarely seen. Paul, this was so cool to have you on the show. Thank you for your insight and, and, and taking listeners through TSN's involvement with the tournament and some of the things that happened behind the scenes. Awesome stuff. I hope we can talk again. Absolutely appreciate it, and we're we're heading over. Um, we have a group over there right now, but heading over on uh, on Saturday for the next uh, two weeks, spending Christmas over in the Czech Republic. It, it should be fun, and and hopefully you can tune in with our first game against the U.S. on uh, on Boxing Day. Right on. Thanks, Paul. Okay. Cheers. As Paul Graham checking in, told you a little bit about his uh, journey from from Edmonton to uh, well, I mean Jay was absolutely right, one of the premier sports broadcasting executives in Canada. Uh, Vice President, Executive Producer of TSN from Edmonton, and uh, told you about how the World Juniors and TSN's relationship came to be and how it has continued to thrive over the years. Really good stuff from Paul. 6.54, we'll take a quick timeout. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 6.30, Chad. Hey, don't forget to go to our contest page on 6.30Ched.com. Look for the Air Canada Fan Flight. Your chance to win an unforgettable experience to see the Oilers play in Las Vegas, courtesy of Air Canada. Enter online for a chance to win this awesome trip. Look for the Air Canada fan flight. Good stuff with Paul Graham. You also heard from Jay Onright. It has been fun and informative, and that will continue with Kelly Rudy and Brian Wild from Global Montreal. Canadians are here on Saturday, and a couple people have texted in, yes, we are giving away Oilers tickets. Uh, around 7.20-ish. You'll have to know trivia. I'm not just going to give them away. You'll have to prove that you are knowledgeable in something World Junior related. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.